so fun. Baptism. There's an uh, inherent conflict that we have when we are dual citizens. Perhaps you've felt this conflict. That you are a citizen here on earth somewhere in a particular place, a country, state, a city. And with that you have culture and norms and all kinds of things that make you a citizen here on earth. But also, we are citizens of heaven as followers of God in the way of Jesus. And sometimes those two identities can be in conflict. Perhaps as we talk about today the question for our series, Guided, we wonder, what are these places of conflict? And the conventional wisdom of our world and our cultural identity and the wisdom of God and our God identity. Consider this example. We as a family took a road trip recently, and we went you know, over the hills and through the woods to Grandma and Grandpa's house. And as we're driving, there's a state patrol trooper in the median. And what do you do when you see a state patrol trooper parked in the median of the highway? First thing I did was look down to check my speed. Posted speed limit was 75. Driving along, suddenly the night sky was lit up by blue and red. <laughs> Pull over. Of course, the question is, do you know why I pulled you over, sir? And I said, no. <laughs> takes my driver's license and registrations or whatever he takes and, and checked me out, where I hope it says in my record, like, Reverend Tim Grady. <laughs> but uh, so he checks it out, comes back. The kids are all very excited at this moment. And I don't know about you, but there's just a sense of shakiness that comes into my being which is very suspicious, I'm sure. So he comes back and says, well, I pulled you over today because your license plate light is out. Now, I was negligent. As the owner of the car, I never checked my license plate light. Since the year 2000, somewhere along the way, the light bulb burned out. I did not check it. So that was my fault. But he did give me a warning that I should change the light bulb. And on the warning, it also said my speed, 75 exactly. And Susie said, that's also very suspicious. <laughs> Cultural context, what speed limit do you drive at? What is the cultural norm? Sorry, police officers in the room. But the accepted cultural norm is five over the posted speed limit. It still is over the line. What do you think, if that's the cultural norm, what do you think God thinks about speed limits? We are citizens of this earth and cultural norms. We are also citizens of heaven and God's ways. Where do those two things come together? Well, we're in this series, Guided, and we're looking at how we are guided by the Holy Spirit. And in the book Andy Stanley wrote, um, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, he asks these five questions which help us in this process of being open to the Holy Spirit to guide us. 
in life. And so just to review, we've had these first few questions. One, am I being honest with myself? Really? Asking the question, am I living in reality? Or am I being tricked by my interior sales associate? Two, a couple weeks ago, since we talked about what story do I want to tell? This legacy question. This question of what do I want my life to be? Not just I fall into it and it happens, but what am I intentionally doing to make my life and the story that I'm telling? Three, is there a tension that deserves my attention, which is the conscience question. This sense of, you know, am I doing something that's right? What, what am I doing? Is there a, a, something holding back within me? And do I need to pause and consider? And then today, the question is, what is the wise thing to do? The maturity question. The maturity question. And next week, we have number five. So the question is it wise? You know, every day we make hundreds of decisions, and many of those decisions we can make automatically and intuitively. It, we've been trained in some ways, and the decisions just follow. We've trained ourselves in some ways, and we just do them. The norms, the rules, the culture holds us in the decisions we make. And yet there's also a lot of decisions where we have to be involved. And in our question today, is it wise, we're looking at how the thing that you're doing or deciding on or the, the thing you're considering, how it might be legal, how it might be permissible, how it might be industry standard or cultural norm, but asking the question, is it wise? Because you can be both not wrong, <laughs> legally, ethically, not wrong, and not wise at the same time. So we're asking this question that's bigger than the cultural norms that guide our lives and are acceptable within culture. You won't go to jail for it, but is it wise in your life? Is what God is leading you and calling you into a part of that? And are you following him in that way? Scripture passage for this series, Guided, is from Proverbs 27, 12. Susie has invited us to memorize it, and hopefully by now it is sunk in, at least in concept. It says, the prudent, the wise, see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. And in this verse, we have this contrast between the wise and the simple. And the first thing that needs to happen for the wise is to see danger, to be able to see it, and then make some adjustments accordingly. But what happens, perhaps, in our cultural wisdom is that we can't see the danger. We just see it as acceptable, so it's not a problem. And yet, it might not be wise. So how do you know that something is danger if it's acceptable? How do you determine that? How do you come into that? It seems that this conventional wisdom draws a line, and it's just this line that we try to separate things out. And here's some of the lines that we then snuggle up to as close to the line as we can get without crossing over. First one, 
legal and illegal. We just, is this the line? I don't want to cross the line over to illegal, so I want to stay on the legal side. Where's that line? How close can I get to it without crossing over? Or responsible and irresponsible. Where's that line? Moral and immoral. You know, I want to stay on the moral side, but how close can I get without crossing over and becoming immoral? Or ethical and unethical? Or I'm in control, and that line... I actually need help. You know, you can think about these lines in our cultural wisdom that guide us. But culture is just saying, hey, here's the parameters of right and wrong. And God is inviting us into something deeper, beyond right and wrong, to something that leads instead to flourishing, to shalom, to God's grace and mercy and justice here. And it it isn't a question of, is it just right or wrong, but is it wise? Is it what God wants? So in this series, we're asking God, guide us by your Holy Spirit. And maybe when we ask this question, is it wise? It's totally fine to do. There's no illegal about it. But we want to know, God, is this something I should do? Does it fit in your will? Is it move to me to this life that I see in the first, into the future for that question too? Is this something that I'm being honest about in that first question a few weeks ago? So as, as we ask these questions, we are simply pausing our decision-making, our life, our considering, and saying, God, I'm open to you. Please guide me. And these questions help us enter into that. Today's passage, uh, Rachel just read from Ephesians 5, Paul makes a contrast. He's using these same kind of words of wise and foolish, and this is how he starts out. He gives this admonition. Be very careful. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So here Paul is giving us this caution be careful. It's a caution. It's a caution that every moment of every decision in your day is accumulating to become your life. So be careful. Consider how you're living. And then he gives us some encouragement to make the most of every opportunity. Here Paul is saying, hey, I'm encouraging you to live the fullness of God in this life, to bring peace and flourishing to this life. Let your life be about mercy and justice and goodness. There's opportunity for that everywhere. Move toward it. And then he gives a reason. Because. Because the days are evil. Which is an interesting phrase. Because the days are evil. I think this is simply referring to the fact that we do not live in a morally neutral culture or an ethically neutral culture. We live in a culture that is pulling us toward something. And the things that it's pulling us toward are not always in alignment with where God wants us to go. It's, this is the path of God, the ways of God. This is the goodness of God. And our culture might be pulling us away. And so you have to be aware that there's a pull. You just don't naturally fall into living a life of God's flourishing. It takes some effort. It takes intentionality. 
And so in this, we pause when we're in a decision, turn our attention to God and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Is this wise? Is this what you want? Paul goes on, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. Again, we have this contrast between the fool and the wise. Don't be foolish. Don't get tricked. Don't get caught up. But instead, do what the Lord's will is. And that, that takes some effort. That takes some learning. I mean, as you think about your life, how you've come to maturity, you've learned along the, the way all kinds of things. And in that learning, you're growing and becoming more mature. You're becoming wise to know God's ways and how to then live that out. You're also becoming wise in our culture. You're becoming wise in driving. Like, I can get away with this. I can snuggle up to the line this far. But Paul's saying, hey, be, be aware. These things that are allowable in culture, that's fine. But there's over here God's invitation to something more. It's not about drawing the line. It's about living in God's flourishing. And then Paul gives us that nice contrast do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine following the cultural norm of the day, which back then for Paul, there's lots of people who were saying, ah, oh, eat, drink, be merry, for the day is short. Just take what you can get now. And Paul's saying, no, that is going to pull you in a direction that isn't God's flourishing. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we just saw baptism where this, this image of being marked as God's, this sign and symbol to the world, this means of God's grace, where we acknowledge that when somebody receives this Jesus, they receive the insight, the belief, the faith, and then they express it back to God— like Paul, his eyes had scales and they fell off. When that happens, the Holy Spirit moves in and dwells within you. And when the Holy Spirit dwells within you, you now have access to God. You can turn to God and be guided. It's possible. It's open. It's made available. And so, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you've been indwelt by the Spirit, but to be filled by the Spirit involves you. It involves your participation. It involves you turning your attention to God and turning away from the things that are pulling you in other directions from the culture. So in this contrast, Paul's saying, this way is inviting you to live for now and for you. And God's way is to live for God, live for the flourishing, live for the flourishing of all people. And that's where we ask the question, is it wise? I'd like to invite you if you want. You don't have to participate, but I invite you. If you'd like to do a little activity, put your hands together, hold them in a cup, and you can put them on your lap restfully. If you want to close your eyes, that's okay too. But I invite you to imagine in your hands, in the cup of your hands, is a decision an opportunity, maybe a trouble or something going on in your life that you need to be guided in right now. Can you imagine 
just that one thing. Maybe you have a whole bucket full, but just one thing in your palms right now. And to hold that. And maybe you're thinking, oh, nothing comes to mind. And that's okay. Maybe during this week you can continue this practice of wondering, God, what is in front of me? What am I deciding on? Or maybe immediately 400 things filled up your bucket and it was hard to choose just one. Maybe it's something big like changing a job or making a big purchase or the doctor's appointment coming up or anything big, and that is what you're holding. But also, it might be just something small. Simple example, but Susie and I are a rental house. People moved out. We need to fix it up to move in. We have this amount of budget and this amount of projects. We're just figuring out what, what is wise. Maybe your small thing is one person in your life that in the last couple years, it has been hard and it feels broken. And you have no idea how to repair that relationship. I mean, whatever the thing is in your hand, I invite you right now to hold it. And if it would be meaningful for you to just simply lift your hands, offer it to God, turn your attention to God and say, Holy Spirit, Guide me. And just pray for us all right now. Heavenly Father, as we each hold something before you, pray that you would meet us each here in the specific, unique, personal way that only you can. And we trust, Jesus, by the power of your death and resurrection by the power of us being united with you in your death and resurrection, by the spiritual life that you've put in us, pray that you would make yourself manifest in this situation. Give us wisdom. Amen. Well, this is the last point. Then we'll move on. Sky Jathani wrote this book, What If Jesus Was Serious? A visual guide to the teachings of Jesus we love to ignore. So, here we have God revealing his wisdom to us in the person of Jesus here on earth. And how do we respond to Jesus guiding us into wisdom according to the kingdom of heaven? We like to ignore. So, this fall, Susie already took the thunder away that we're doing this all-church group. Now I'm preaching the announcements. That we've never done this in history. We want to do this all-church group, this activity where we want to be united together, on the same page, doing something together, that every conversation in your life here at Platt Park Church can be sprinkled with this conversation. Taking Jesus seriously. And our hope is that in this, we will find unity, that we'll be together, that we'll find places where we disagree. But you know what? We can still talk and be together and on the same team with that. Also, we hope that we can be a church, a community of faith that takes Jesus seriously and lives it out. So what is going to happen this fall is, like Susie said, we're going to have a whole bunch of groups. 
And you might be sitting there wondering, God, what is wise for me to do? How can I get involved? What can I do to participate? And maybe you're already in a small group and you can just be a part of your small group. And that's going to be great. Or maybe you've never been a part of a small group. And you just don't know about that. But this could be the step in that you first take. That would be great, too. Maybe you're thinking, like Susie invited you, I could be a host. You know, maybe you've thought before, oh, I would like to host a small group, but no one has ever asked me. We are asking you right now. Please consider hosting a group. And what does hosting a group mean? Simply that you open your home, set a day and a time, and say, come, let's talk about these things. We'll give you some materials, some things. Hopefully it'll be easy to lead and to host and facilitate that group. But maybe you live here in Platte Park, and you're like, I could host a group. I'd like to do that. Maybe you live up in Berkeley neighborhood, far from church, and you're like, there's people around me I would love to invite in and do this. Maybe you live in Aurora, are you ready for me to go through every city and neighborhood in Denver to cover you all? Lakewood, Littleton, Thornton. I mean, even if you're online, I'm talking to online people. Wherever you are, you could host a group in your home. If you're in Wisconsin or California, you know who I'm talking to. Maybe you're in Uganda or Guatemala or other places in the world. You can host a group. Gather some people to have the conversation together. And in all of this, we will be opening ourselves up, saying, God, what is wise? Jesus, what did you say? And am I taking it seriously? Or have I been sneaking off doing other activities? Okay. There's some opportunities. Oh, and if you want another opportunity, I wrote it down right here, you could simply invite somebody to come with you. You're like, I can't host but you can invite a friend, somebody who needs to be in a group, to be loved by other people, to be in the conversation. All right, now I'm beginning to wrap up. Come on on, stage band. After party is about to happen, and here's some questions for you to talk about. Um, come, please. I'll keep talking while you come so you can tune up. First question, where does conventional wisdom and God's wisdom overlap? And where do they diverge? Second question you could ask out there to somebody you've never met. How close to the, to the line do you like to snuggle up to before crossing over? <laughs> That's a good one. And third, what is your decision opportunity that you were just holding? If you would be so brave as to share that, I think there's an invitation for us to be the community together to encourage and support. Now, you don't have to. If somebody asks you what was in your hand, you can say, none of your business. But if you're so willing to share that, I trust that God will meet us in his grace in those questions. Now let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and wisdom. I pray that you'd help us know where we go away from you where the culture has trained us and we cannot see your ways. Open our eyes to see and then help us move to you.
pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.